the old Daniel Bryan, he would want to fight. And that's what I want. I want a fight. What kind of car do you drive? I don't know what that has to do with this, but I drive an SUV. You are a small, small little man. Why would you need to ride in an SUV? Well, as you know, I have a family, I have a wife, I have two children. Oh! Ignorant! Ignorant! As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown! 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock here alongside Waiting. Here on a Tuesday night. How are you doing tonight, Way? Not bad, not bad. How are you? I've been better. Why? What's wrong? Technology is just destroying my spirit tonight. It brought me down on Monday night, and Tuesday it is just gone for the kill. And I'm I'm at a very low spirit at the moment, Way. So I'm really hoping you can carry me and lift me up through this uh this headache. You're having like a technological headache? Yes, I'm having uh, a tech ache. Wow. Okay, well, let's let's try to fix that. Um, anyway, yeah, John and I, uh, like last night's Rewind Rock came in like 30 pieces of separate audio. And uh, Anyway, we got it done. I'm assuming, I'm hoping most people who listened to it couldn't tell the difference. But um, today we are, um, we're trying to avoid all, having to do all that. So anyway, please bear with us, everybody. Let's hope uh, today's show comes in far fewer pieces than yesterday. No, the wonderful thing was I listened to part of our show today and it's seamless. You cannot tell any, if you could have seen the setup that we had, it was ridiculous. And I felt so guilty afterwards because Way always uploads the Monday night show. I felt so guilty, Way, leaving you to piece that. It was literally the Jackson Pollock of audio that you had to somehow piece together and just made it sound completely normal. So thank you, Way. Oh, it's no problem. It was kind of fun. It was like a bit of like a, like a <laughs> like a puzzle, basically. You know, I had these pieces here. I had these these pieces here, and how do they all fit together? So that's what podcasting <laughs> is like some, sometimes. That does not sound fun, but you make it sound uh, bearable. How else are you doing? Uh, any anything fun going on? Is it was your night better than mine? I'm sure it was, but tell us why. Um, my night was uh pretty kind of uh, standard, you know. Uh, I had a really nice the Instapot has been awesome. Um, my, my girlfriend made like a this like um, I don't even know like like a, this pork dish that that was fantastic so uh <laughs> that's what i have to report uh i this guess that's great you're you're already making me feel better i'm uh, i'm up to a, a scale of three at the moment well, you're, you're good. bringing me up well i i mean i hate to disappoint you um because i'm about to but i can't make it to Braden davies christmas party this year i, I saw this yeah I, I am i an awful person that as soon as i saw your message 
I made alternate plants. Oh my god, yes you are. You already said you were going. What the I, fuck? I don't feel ba- I don't know anybody there. You were my you were my plus one to oh, go with. I'm dude. I don't know any of them. They've got their 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 crew there. I I refuse to be the sole old person there. What? And not with you. Well, come on. I have, Wait, I we went to their you. Halloween party. The average age had to have been 24 at that party. You and I were a decade above the median. That's, and that means nothing. That means nothing. Come on. It's okay, about well, how I'll old say you this. Are. I'll say this. My plans, my other plans are not set in stone, and even if they are, I might make an appearance, okay? I might make an appearance. Yeah. So even me, like if I if if they're still there by like one a.m., maybe I'll even make an appearance. But I doubt you'll be there at that at that time. All right. Well, I I don't want them to have too crazy a night because we actually need them on the Saturday now. So true. May, maybe you and I should go over and we'll we'll just make sure that they're okay. That the punch has not gotten too out of control. Why don't we record our our shows at the party? That's where we could record. The best of or the worst of maybe no that would be a worst of i think is sure. to chat with Braden. yeah he may be more, co- more coherent at that stage uh perhaps yeah before we get into all the usual stuff way we didn't have time for this on monday night but we have a giveaway to do of course every single week on these shows we give out some an item from the post wrestling store store.postwrestling.com to a very lucky patron on our list of uh p- Patreon patrons. So, John, if you will do the honors of uh rolling the uh cage with the balls in them. Okay. Stop. Sorry, um, it's it's a it's this. Uh, the the cage is also going through a bit of a technical headache. So, uh, one more time. Uh, okay. Now, okay. Uh, yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna yell stop. Yeah. In five, four, three, two, one, half. Quarter zero now. Alrighty, congratulations to Jason Figueroa. Jason oh, Figueroa. Jason Figueroa. Yeah, from congratulations from California. So Jason Figueroa, congratulations! You win a post wrestling combo pack consisting of a T-shirt, stickers, and a postcard from store.postwrestling.com. And for all of you patrons on this list that are inside this cage, you all get twenty percent off. For the rest of December, so uh, go check out the store. Thank you for anybody who's purchased an item so far. We sold quite a few hats, toques, if you could believe it, John. So these are hot items, and they're all 20% off for patrons. I actually, a friend of mine uh, wants a toque, so I, I've said I will uh, I will buy him one or, or get him one for us. I'm not going to just give it. Of course. Um, Let's but do it. They're popular. I, I love both of those hats. I... I wear the black one. That is my everyday toque that I wear. And it's not a beanie. Don't ever call that thing a beanie. It's a toque. Can we agree on that? I mean, you and I can agree on that. Beanie. No, that's that's the a beanie. Like, are you four years old? I'm sorry. Are you a beanie baby? I'm talking to adults on this show. If you're calling that a beanie, I'm sorry. The kids' table is over there. 
You can go listen to their podcast. As always, John likes to hold the beans from his nachos, so hold oh, the beanies. Gr- I, I, I hate the name just because of bean being a part of it. it looks nothing no like No one's a wearing bean. a beanie. Yeah. Hey, hi, sir. Uh, what's your occupation? Hi, I'm a judge. Just a second while I take off my beanie. <laughs> have to go. I have children as I put on my beanie. Come on. You can, it, it's oh, like uh, – I'd love to hear a judge uh, actually utter those words. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like some of those names that, you know, it's fine to call someone, you know, like Billy or uh, Chipper when they're a child. But once you get to a certain age, you can't be, be Billy anymore. Even Gunn, I don't think. I think it should be Bill. Bill Gunn sounds way better. Bill Gunn, yes. All right, so Jason Figueroa, send me, send me a message. Let me know your uh, shirt size, and uh, I will get that out to you. All right. Coming up tonight, we're also going to have the double shot coming out where I'm going to be chatting about MLW's episode from last Friday. Way is going to be chatting the latest Being the Elite And I'm also going to go over the Matt Riddle videos that the WWE's Performance Center YouTube has been putting out. I don't think anyone's aware of this YouTube channel that the WWE PC has launched because these are not very highly viewed videos. So I think it's like a secret that these videos exist. It's been a little quiet. Yeah, I was made aware of them um, shortly after it launched. But um, I mean, I think they they're doing great work you know i think like just watching nxt's tv you can tell like they really kind of have more of their eye on the pulse when it comes to a lot of this social media stuff actually wwe's youtube is really good too but um i feel like you know nxt's um it's it's they've been doing some really good work so uh, i look forward to talking about that uh as well i watched the third episode of the edge and christian show so i will let you know how i feel about it and whether or not i will continue on Oh, the deciding episode. I missed it, so I'm going to rely on Way for that one. And Way isn't aware of this. He's also going to provide all of us on the double shot with a bonus, bonus review that you're not even aware you're doing yet. Okay. Okay. Way um, is going to give us his his exclusive thoughts on the Avengers trailer. Oh, wow. Did you watch it? I... Way was so excited because we were together when this thing dropped. When was it? Thursday? Friday. Sometime last week it dropped? Friday. Friday. So on Sunday night, I sat down and I watched it. And then I had seen your tweet about Kevin Smith's reaction video to the trailer. Yeah. So I watched that. Yeah. And I discovered the entire culture of trailer reviews. And it is vast. The oh amount God. of... Videos dissecting frame by frame this Avengers trailer. It's just unbelievable. It's a world I wasn't even uh, keen to. I didn't even know this existed. Well, you and thought, I boy, mean, did I learn a lot. I mean, you thought we were obsessive and over analytical when it comes to pro wrestling. There are people just like us in all all the forms of of media and comic books. I would say, uh, you know, chief among those very kind of over analyzed mediums. So. Yeah, reaction videos are big, and I encourage everybody to watch the uh, Kevin Smith one. It, it's just, it's quite honestly, that one in particular was really heartwarming because, like, if you remember when Kevin Smith had had his uh, recent health uh, health scare, um, he said by health scare you mean enormous heart attack. Well, he and... almost died, yeah, or he did die, or something. Yeah. Anyway, but he said like one of the things that that was like heavy on his mind was that he wasn't going to be able to see Infinity War. 
So think about how important getting to see this Avengers trailer and eventually this Avengers movie is for a guy like that. And you can understand completely why the dude got so emotional. So I look forward to talking about about it all. That's all coming up on the double shot and some site notes as we uh, wind down 2018 and get set to flip the calendars over. That means we will have our best of show and our worst of show recapping the highs and lows of 2018. And you can submit your votes for every category. Just go to postwrestling.com. Look in the top right hand corner. We have a button that takes you to the voting section. Get in all of your votes because the deadline is this Thursday night at midnight. After that, your votes will not count. You will not get any say in how the year went down. This year will be a complete waste of your time because you did not get to vote in our year-end awards, the most prestigious awards out there, the post-wrestling, worst of, and best of awards. Uh, uh, yes, beautifully put. So exciting. Oh, so as get well, your votes in. Yeah, sorry. Are we? Is this the part where we talk about the million shows that we have coming up? I'm getting to that. I'm, oh, okay. I'm getting through these plugs before I get to the deeper plugs. Got it. Uh, we also have the jingle contest that I don't want to forget about. Uh, you can submit your jingles. Uh, the deadline is Thursday, December the 20th. So two Thursday deadlines coming your way if you're a post-wrestling listener. You can submit your jingles at forum.postwrestling.com. We have a thread up there that you can place your submissions or just email them to john, J-O-H-N, at postwrestling.com. And, Wade, do you want to take us through the shows this week? Yeah, of course. Uh, you're listening to Rewind a Smackdown. As John mentioned, we'll have the double shot up on the Patreon shortly after this. British Wrestling Experience comes out tomorrow with a big special about the Dynamite Kid. Up next, as usual, is out on Thursdays on their feed. But as well, on this very feed, we are releasing our latest edition of the Roundtable, the post-wrestling Roundtable, featuring a good friend of ours, Ariel Hawani. And we sat down with Ariel for about an hour a little over an hour, talking, you know, basically his entire career, how he got started, how professional wrestling and how a professional wrestling radio show actually gave him his start in the industry, all the way up until uh, his recent move to ESPN. And uh, we thank Ariel for coming on the show and being so open about, uh, you know, his 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 work ethic, his journalistic integrity, uh, 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 integrity issues that he faces on a daily basis concerning all of those things so i'm really excited for that to come out and uh if you listen to it and enjoy it i encourage everybody to share it around uh and then friday we have john you and i are going to be talking about captain america your favorite avenger on our latest edition of the mcu movie reviews that of course is also coming out on our patreon that evening you are going to be joined by mike murray to review roh's final pay-per-view of the year ROH Final Battle. Which I got so excited today when they announced it's going to be an hour earlier at 8 p.m. I was like, that's great. We're going to be done this by 11. And then it's also going to be a four-hour window. So it looks like it's just going to be an hour longer is probably the conclusion. Uh, so nonetheless, it looks like a very good show that's coming up on Friday night. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it, too, because uh, as we'll talk about on Being the Elite, um, a great like this this pay-per-view was actually in some ways built up 14 months ago and that that is quite amazing to me as well i almost forgot on friday on this free feed you will receive the re archived recording of uh thursdays bear with me everybody we have a lot we you will receive the archived recording of thursday's cafe hangout which uh of course is live for all 
double double espresso espresso and ice cap patrons on Thursday. Let's stop there. We got way too much shit. TLC on Thursday, eggshells on Saturday. Let's 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 move on. All right. Go check out on the website and postwrestlingcafe.com to get all of the shows. It's a packed, packed week. Uh, some quick news and notes. We talked about uh, what kind of audience reaction we would see on Monday night to Raw and the opening segment. Well, after last week's uh, modern era low, they outdid themselves this week. They dropped from last week from... 2.3 million viewers last week. They fell down to 2,190,000 viewers. And the third hour fell to 2,048,000 viewers, which is the, of all the hours this year of Raw, this was the least watched hour of Raw in 2018. And I don't know how many years you have to go back for an hour that did this low. But uh, the answer was their way. Were people going to stick around for a TLC match? No. They did not. Ouch. Uh, at least the Ouch. over 50 audience, which was the big tune out. Uh, but yes, it fell throughout the show. And the third hour was the lowest hour of any hour this year of Raw. That's brutal. Um, but, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily look at um, last night's performance as an indi- indicator of maybe the show itself. To me, it's more of an indicator of the previous weeks. And, you know, perhaps uh, people seeing the trend have given up on this show, at least for the time being. Um, I don't expect things to necessarily pick up, you know, uh, as we head into shows that are taking place on New Year's Eve as well as uh, Christmas Eve. So, yeah, uh, those ones should be just thrown out, but they're going to do terrible. Like, they will be very, very harmed, I feel, by being on those nights. Even worse than last year, Raw was on Christmas Day. And my God, you compare Christmas Day, like, destroyed this week's number in comparison. But uh, I think Christmas Eve is even tougher than Christmas Day. So it's, it's going to be a tough December for the WWE. Hopefully, by the time they head back into the Rumble and then WrestleMania, uh, they hopefully things pick up. But, I mean, e- even for a December trend, it's not. Uh, this is certainly a, a, po- a very poor result this month. Uh, we mentioned ROH. Uh, it's going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern time, the pay-per-view, on Friday night. So they have a four-hour pay-per-view window. So that will allow them to have uh, more leeway. And it's a, a very... Loaded card, just quickly looking at it here. Jay Lethal versus Cody on top for the ROH title. Jeff Cobb versus Hangman Page for the TV title. Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky against the Young Bucks and the Briscoes in a ladder war for the tag titles. Then we have a four-way for the Women of Honor title with Sumi Sakai defending against Madison Rain, Karen Q, and Kelly Klein. Dalton Castle versus Matt Taven. Bully Ray versus Flip Gordon in an I Quit match. Marty Skrull versus Christopher Daniels with the winner getting a future ROH title shot. Uh, match I'm very much looking forward to. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jonathan Gresham. And just added today, Kenny King versus Eli Isom. I think one of the deeper ROH cards. I was kind of disappointed with the last pay-per-view in September. But this one, it looks like a deep card way. And it also feels like an important card because of the status of the Elite. Yeah, I mean, it looks incredibly deep right now, but who knows what this roster is going to look like immediately following this show, right? Um, so, yeah, I'm very curious to see um, if any, uh, if if they will touch on, I think, any of the elite status at all on the show. But as well, like, just from a pure match standpoint, this looks like a fantastic card. I just saw, like, is that um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Jonathan Gresham match for the ROH Pure title or something? Or is that just somebody writing, fooling around on Wikipedia? 
No, Carrie Silkin put up a video, and I didn't watch the video today, but it alluded to something like that. I think it was something to the effect that for one night only, they're resurrecting the title. And I, I, I didn't see the video, so I don't know exactly the context of how they're utilizing that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so anyway, very uh, very loaded show on on Friday. Uh, next week, the WWE and USA Network is doing WWE Holiday Week. The answer is, let's do WWE five nights of the week next week. So you have Raw and SmackDown Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday night, they're not airing NXT, but it will be New Day's WWE 2018 Pancake-Powered Year-End Spectacular. Thursday night is Tribute to the Troops. And then Friday night, I guess they were out of original programming. Uh, WWE night will consist of San Andreas starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. At 6 p.m. on Friday night. I mean, kind of, kind of just force feeding that that Friday one to make the the whole week thematic. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie, but um, they could have chosen worse. I mean, they could have chosen like the chaperone. <laughs> you really have it out for that poor movie. I think that should be someone's Christmas gift for away should be the chaperone. There's no one that references it more than you. That's your go-to. I just love the idea of Triple H playing a chaperone. Um, Here's a story that it'll be interesting to see how big of a deal this is. But uh, the aforementioned Ariel Hawani of ESPN, he broke the news on Tuesday that one championship out of Asia is expected to announce a deal with Turner Sports. And this would see one championship enter a three-year deal, and their shows would start to be available on Turner's streaming service, which is Bleacher Report Live. And then they would have taped events that would air on TNT, which getting onto TNT is pretty significant depending on where it's placed on the schedule, as well as shoulder programming and a reality show that's in the mix. It's supposed to go into effect with the card on Saturday January the 19th, and I don't know how much being on Bleacher Report live is going to be a major difference maker for them. It's another avenue, I guess, that you can pay for these shows, Uh, but I think getting on TNT, that is significant, and the major question is how much is one getting paid here, Uh, because if they're getting significant money, then this is a very, very big deal for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, an announcement like this automatically at least, you know, makes one a, a, a far bigger player than they were. Uh, I mean, when they were announcing all those signings, I was kind of wondering, you know, what what the play was, you know, how 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 much of a stage is somebody like a Demetrius Johnson going to get? And it looks like maybe this was already in the works at that time even. So, um I mean, I look forward to it. I, being on TNT certainly is a big thing. I wonder what time they would put that replay on. Uh, as well, you know, if this might open up any other opportunities for perhaps a professional wrestling company to make their way back onto TNT. You are not the first person that thought about that. Is is Turner looking at MMA and, by extension, professional wrestling as live sports that they can add to their network in 2019 and whether they are someone that is of interest. I think if you are going into a deal with one championship, which is not the most, it's a, you know, it's got a following in Asia, but I would say among North American viewers, it's, it's pretty obscure mixed martial arts. So it tells me that they are going to 
it it seems to me that the they're looking for different types of combat sports programming, knowing that the industry leader UFC is not available. So does professional wrestling? Is it something there is a history on Turner Networks, but that was a long, long time ago. Would they want to revisit that? I think that that's certainly something to look at. Uh, other uh, news and notes. Um, yes. And by the way, Ariel added that Sage Northcutt is expected to debut for one championship February 22nd and Demetrius Johnson on March the 31st. So we will see how much attention they, they receive uh, with this new deal that's expected to be announced any day now officially. Uh, but all of your news you can go catch up on at postwrestling.com in the daily news updates quite a lot uh, over the past uh, day or so. Yeah, by, by the way, just to, uh, just to update everybody, I'm not seeing a thing about this pure championship. I think somebody was just wiki-bombing. Oh, really? Because I could have sworn that there was... Yeah, again, I didn't. I saw a video attached to this story. Maybe we'll uh, we'll find out for sure uh, later on. Anyway, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, that they would just strike up a championship like that. But you may be right here. So, anyway, let's get into SmackDown. Show started out with Daniel Bryan coming out. They are in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena, and he said that last week he called the people sheep, and he wants to apologize. To all of the sheep who shouldn't have to be compared to you idiots. The the sheep are not mindlessly destroying the earth with their consumption. And there is no such thing as a carbon hoof print. I was done. I was like, this dude is the most entertaining character on television at the moment. Forget wrestling. Any television program at the moment. It's Daniel Bryan. Very funny. Very, very funny line. Is he too funny? Is my question. That that was, I think, my concern by the end of this. How can you not be entertained by this guy? He is the most entertaining thing on WWE at the moment. You, I mean, you know, when you're on TV, you certainly being entertaining is not a bad thing at all. Of course, and I think I anybody would take that over being boring or being Baron Corbin. But I think <laughs> there's a fine line. That's though. one in the same. <laughs> but there's a fine line, I think. You know, for a world champion to be entertaining while you know trying to be taken seriously and i kind of felt like they were uh bordering on too much comedy here for for daniel bryan so he goes on and he says that the people are parasites that's what he's going to compare them to he says that you all lived through my success and the yes movement but that was the old daniel bryan and he's dead and the yes movement is dead and he started running down aj styles And he talked about debating his friend William Gaddis, stating that he doesn't know if you people are stupid or if you deliberately pull pull the wool over your eyes to avoid facts. And states that stupidity is the the deliberate cultivation of ignorance. And that's pretty much you, Las Vegas. And the crowd just hated this man. So, I mean, he did get heat here, especially – having to insult the fans and insult Las Vegas. But man, was this entertaining. I thought he was just great. Yeah. I'm not sure if he, Brian actually has a friend named William Gaddis. Um, but at least by Googling, um, there was a novelist named William Gaddis who passed away in 1998. So could be a reference to that. Okay. Mustafa Ali comes out. Did you understand the significance of this way? Not at all. The cruiserweights are not Raw exclusive any longer. Oh, 
Well, I don't know if they have. I mean, they haven't been on Raw in like months, so I don't know if they they respected that anymore. Did they strike a deal? Did Raw lose their contract the with deal, the cruiserweights? The deal ran out. Maybe, maybe TNT can get the cruiserweights. Maybe, uh, maybe they had the same uh, management as uh, Troy Tulowitzki, and they got released, and they just ate their contracts. Could be. Brian refers to Mustafa Ali as the heart of Two Hundred Five Live, and states he's an incredible performer. And he says, I see a lot of myself in you. We don't need to have a match tonight, as they had already announced that the two would be having a singles match earlier in the evening. Brian calls the fans xenophobic, and they are fickle fans that don't deserve this match. Ali said that all the guys on 205 Live used to look up to you. What happened? Brian <laughs> Brian like pauses, and he says, Mustafa... Tell me what kind of a car you drive. <laughs> and Mustafa replies, an SUV. And Brian says, you are a small, small little man. Why would you need to ride in an SUV? And he explains because he's got two children. I was dying, dude. This was so goddamn hilarious. And Brian starts slapping him. He calls Ali ignorant and... Uh, Ali fights back, sends Brian to the floor, and hit a somersault dive off the top to the floor. I love this segment. I thought it was great. Yes, the match was already announced, but they they made you want the match more than just an interesting pairing. They gave you uh, some dissension here, some uh, an issue between them. Brian was just phenomenal. I love this opening segment. I was just by the time he got to the SUV thing. I, I was done. I was just so amused. Don't you drive an SUV, John? No, I don't drive an SUV. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm with you. I thought it was very entertaining. Brian, in this role, I think uh, it's, it's, it's really refreshing. Uh, and, but again, my criticism is that I don't know if the SUV stuff was necessary. To me, I thought that skewed it a lot more towards the comedic aspects of Daniel Bryan that I think he was trying really hard to fend off last week on commentary with Corey Graves. Corey Graves kept, you know, like bugging him about like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, GMO products and whatnot. And Bryan was wanting to divert his attention from that and more towards his opponents. And I mean, I understand he's still trying to establish the gimmick of, of this evil environmentalist, but I thought... It was not necessary by the time this this gimmick ended. Um, I thought Ali was awesome. You know, he totally nailed the role that he was given. Uh, I I thought it was a decision that was kind of made, like really unexpectedly, to bring a a cruiserweight onto Raw or, or sorry onto SmackDown, and only not only that, but to have him talk as well. But Ali was like a perfect choice. He's a great promo. Um, obviously a great matchup, and. You know, I'm assuming the decision maybe was perhaps made because they needed a smaller person than Brian. And how many people are there on that roster except for the cruiserweights? I'm not complaining. I thought it was great. But my only thing was just I feel like it's he's in danger of being too comedic with this gimmick. And it takes away from me wanting to see a violent fight. That's completely valid criticism. Um I'm entertained by him, but you're right. Like he's trying to be a heel at the moment, and I do feel he's 
going to become so popular by doing this. I think by the time you get to uh, man, if this lasts until the Rumble or Mania season, you, that fickle chant is going to get over. Everyone's going to start chanting fickle. Um, I could see that really getting taken over by the fans. Uh, but I will take this any day of the week over Brian coming out and telling me that this show sucks and everything about it sucks and sit back and enjoy the ride. So I'm entertained by the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we got the match between them. And early on, Brian is uh, setting up for a surfboard and he's grabbing Ali by the nose. Byron Saxton brings up a story that Ali was carrying Daniel Bryan's bags around at an independent show in 2009, which is kind of weird to imagine Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson having someone carrying his bags. It seems very unlike him. Do you think this is but a I'm true sure, story? Uh, maybe it is. I, I have no reason to uh, to doubt it. Maybe it's embellished by Byron Saxton. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Ali would have been around 22 years old at that time, so that's that's viable. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like having your bags carried, it might maybe it's just like a ritual type of thing. Ali is down on the floor, and then they come back from break, and Ali's in the yes lock, which Corey Graves noted probably needs a new name at this point. And then they show the replay from during the commercial break where Ali hit Brian with a Spanish fly off the top. Yeah. I don't know if Brian needs to be doing stuff like that during commercial breaks. Um, no, I mean, anyway. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, this was a TV match, so they had to cut a good portion of it out. Um, but that Spanish fly, I think, would have really been nice to see on TV. I mean, they did put it in the replay, but yeah. Brian missed with a running drop kick. Ali came back with chops and a beautiful tornado DDT. This was the the great tornado DDT because we'd see the opposite later on tonight. And then he missed with the 054. Brian wrapped his legs around the post repeatedly. Chop block, heel hook, and Mustafa Ali tapped out. I enjoyed the match. You know, this was not on the level of, of Ali's best matches on 205 Live, not on the level of Brian's best matches uh, that he's had since, but I I thought it was a really nice match on TV and a, a very fresh match. It's, you know, during a time where, like, I mean, we're getting, like, Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler matches multiple times each month. I'm really grateful that we got to see something that I didn't think that I would be able to see. You're one of your best wrestlers from 205 Live with one of your best wrestlers from SmackDown. So I hope they do more of this stuff. I think Ali is so good. I I don't think he's going to stick around, unfortunately, but I hope he does. The guy is certainly good enough to take one of those spots on the main roster. And some type of fluidity between the 205 Live rosters and your main rosters, I think, would really give me a bit more of a sense of importance on 205 Live. And I think it would freshen up your main roster shows as well. Brian continued his attack and beat him down on the ramp. He reapplied the heel hook. And that concluded the segment. Next was the rap battle with the New Day hosting and the Usos and the bar going head to head. And you had Seamus and Cesaro dressed in chains, Kangol hats, and red tracksuits. Yeah, and the like, bar was up like, first. Like Run DMC, like that type of look. Yes. Yeah. And they started singing their rendition of Ice, Ice, Shaby. Shamey. Shamey, sorry. Yeah. And they started rhyming vandal with candle. Uh, I can't do this justice of, of what they did, uh, but uh, 
I was greatly entertained by these two, in particular Seamus, who I thought showed more character here than he has in maybe, God, five years, maybe longer. And New Day gave them a trash can emoji as their uh, as their score. Yeah, it was about as corny as I think you'd expect it to be, which uh, really was, I think, the intended performance from these two. So, yeah, nothing at all to complain about here. So then the Usos have their turn. And, man, they took this very seriously. They went on for minutes here. They talked about deleting their history like Matt Hardy, called them Bebop and Rocksteady, uh, referring to Seamus' role in the uh, Ninja Turtles movie. And then they called Seamus dumb and stupid, mocking him for being pale. And they asked, how do you knock Cesaro's teeth without knuckles? Let me introduce you to Mr. Turnbuckle. Mm -hmm. And the New Day loved this line. Jimmy mentions in his rap about going 10 years without injury. They're bulletproof. And this all ended in a fight. Now, the Usos, I'm sure they had the the better rap. But I really enjoyed Seamus and Cesaro here. I thought they were very entertaining for the roles they needed to be in here. I completely agree with you. I mean, Seamus and Cesaro, I don't think there were really any expectations for them to come out here and deliver bars, no pun intended. But um, they were entertaining and being goofy and just, you know, uh, entertaining in their own way. However, I thought, at least for me, expectations were very high for the Usos to, to deliver here. So um, I was looking forward to this and I thought they brought it. I thought they had some really witty lines in there. Bebop and Rocksteady, I really liked. I really liked the stuff with them rapping as the turnbuckle. Like, the, the line was, I wrote it down. When I put Cesaro's teeth down his throat, I had to let him know who's the real man of steel. And, like, he's, it's the man of steel, because, yes, it's a steel turnbuckle, but because he Cesaro also goes by the Swiss Superman. I thought that was brilliant. I think, you know, they're very talented. And I'm glad they don't overuse this, like, rap battle gimmick. But I think they should use it more, a little bit more than they do. You know, I feel like um, their profile has kind of waned, I would say, in the past couple months. And I'm not saying that they should be the rapping tag team or anything like that. But I think pulling this trick that they have uh, once in a while a little bit more than they do wouldn't be such a bad thing. Would they lose any cred in your book way if you found out the Usos didn't write this? Yes. They would, actually, because, I mean, I'm picturing them as the people that are writing it. And I think with rap, like, authenticity is, is key. Um, but, you know, I think... The you, don't think are, you don't think Vince wrote this? Yeah, something tells me that a 73-year-old year old wouldn't come up with some of these lines. Um, but, you know, I think that's a real advantage of having somebody like the Usos on your TV show and getting them getting to display things like this. To me, this is, like, a real kind of rare case of like the WWE feeling really modern and in touch with like what kids find cool um, that I think this show is sorely missing. Yeah. I like the segment a lot. I think that they're two for two in rap battles on this show. Yeah. Oscar cut a promo. She said that she was wrong. Assuming no one was ready for her at WrestleMania. She made a mistake, but she's not going to stop at TLC. She's going to grab the title. But tonight, Charlotte will not be ready for Asuka, which I took to mean she's making the same mistake she made ahead of WrestleMania by assuming Charlotte will not be ready for her. Hmm. Sure. Okay. So she she should assume, yes. 
Asuka had a big night ahead of her. Oh, yeah. The Miz was with the World Cup in the ring, and he notes that it might be Shane's week for custody of the trophy, but he wants Shane to come out here to listen what he has to say. Shane comes out. Miz says, you've been ignoring me. We could be so good together if you just gave us a chance. I know you're scared. I'm scared too. And he wants to team with Shane one more time because they could be the best tag team in the world. And Miz then calls out a referee and he wants to face the Vegas boys, Chip and Chad. Mm, Chip and Chad. Okay. Great. Then this match begins. Last time, it was the Miz working the entire match. This time, sadly, it was Shane. The Vegas boys jump Shane, and he comes back. And I've stated many times, I don't think there's anything worse than Shane McMahon's punches. I then got to see his kicks. And these things were horrendous. And I'm stating, wow, his kicks might be worse. Did you notice? Then, did you notice Cordy call this a Phil Nurse uh, strike party on display? I, I have it written right here, the Phil Nurse strike party. Which, if I'm Phil Nurse, I would be getting a t- in touch with Corey Graves and stating, "Do not attach my name to this. This is not good promotion for me at all." So. As I'm watching these horrendous kicks, then he goes back to the punches, and then I came to a moment of clarity. The punches are still awful. I got to see them both, and they were terrible. But just as I'm moving on, Shane McMahon attempted a spinning DDT. I think that's what he was trying to do. Um, This would have been the same kind of move if you were drunk and... Your buddy showed up at a party and you decided, I'm going to go jump on top of this guy from behind and he'll never see it coming. That's as as uh, fluid as this spinning DDT was. It looked horrendous. He applied a triangle and Chip or Chad, whichever of them, tapped out. Um, I will say this, Shane landed a back elbow that it didn't look awful, but this was among the worst televised matches, performances I've seen this year. By today's standard, yeah, I would absolutely give you that. Um, I think I completely agree with you with everything, with your complete assessment of Shane McMahon's uh, performance. The jobbers weren't very good either, too. But I think what, what perplexes me the most is whatever this angle is supposed to be. So at the end of this all, whole thing, it's The Miz, I guess, trying to you know show Shane McMahon that, hey, like we should be a team. It's The Miz taking credit for Shane's incredible athletic abilities and you know i know shane's been taking a lot of private lessons from ufc coaches but that doesn't make him a ufc fighter okay (laughs) they're doing an angle now that where he's trying to convince people that he's he's like a world beater he's like a brock lesnar who like doesn't compete too often but when he does it's game (laughs) over and this is ridiculous i'm sorry but like you're not convincing me that shane is anything more than a middle-aged rich man in a fantasy camp. I I mean, I can accept him jumping off of tall buildings, but to try to convince me that he's this incredibly dominant, technically skilled MMA fighter, that's way too much to ask. So, I, I, I mean, again, we're coming off of 
that best in the world thing. We're coming off of Survivor Series still without a real, um, you know, idea of like why any of this is happening. At this point, I just hope they abort it and get rid of this stupid angle. Not to uh, rub further salt into the wound, but wait, you have applied many a triangle in your day. Many to me, actually. I can't recall seeing a triangle where the arm, which if successfully applied, you are taking the arm and essentially crossing it over, is the hand that is tapping out and not the free hand. And this guy's hand was on top of Shane's chest as he tapped out on his chest from this triangle where supposedly this arm is choking the individual that's in this submission. Well, I mean, a pro wrestling triangle is very loose. So maybe uh, the chip didn't get the memo. This was awful. This was very, very awful. And... I, I've been very kind to to Shane. I think he's got a role on the show. I think he's I think he's a fine authority figure. I like Shane's character. He's a terrible wrestler, and we got to see two minutes, maybe the worst two minutes from start to finish this year in a WWE ring on television. I mean, if he, if Shane want like Shane should enter MMA, like if he really wants to get his jollies out from his fillers training, the man should think about jumping into an octagon and proving himself that way because. Um, I, I'd rather him do that than to take up, uh, TV time in pro wrestling. The Phil nurse strike party. Paige was upset after this match. She was almost, uh, the same as I was feeling after that match because there was a referee used without her consent. And the referee explained that Miz said that Paige had sanctioned the match and then Chip and Chad show up with their invoices to be paid for the match. They are both owed $5,000, I guess, for doing enhancement work. She rips up the invoices and tells these lowly independent contractors that we will not pay you for your work. Get out of here. What do you think somebody in, in those roles would make, realistically? Um, well, it's funny. It, it just... Having gone over a Dynamite Kids book, he tells the story about when his back was all wrecked and they had to fly him down to Tampa to drop the tag titles. And for for that entire effort, he was paid $25 to lose the match. But the enhancement guys got, at that time, granted, this is 1987, they got like a few hundred dollars because the idea that was given to the talent was... The television is your reward. Like we are putting you on our television. So that's the the value you're getting out of this. The pay is uh, we're giving you this $25 extra. But the enhancement talent, they were there and would get a couple hundred bucks. So today, I mean, I don't know. I would imagine it's not all that much. It's probably, you know, to do extra work on TV is probably a few hundred bucks. I guess I asked not five th- not five thousand. Well, I guess I just asked because they decided that five thousand was the ridiculous amount that these 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 uh, characters would would suggest that would not only outrage you know uh, Paige but would sound outrageous to the audience. And uh, I, I I was just curious how far that was from the actual truth. Yeah, I would I would imagine it's a couple hundred bucks. That would be the going rate for doing a match on TV as a as a job guy. 
Randy Orton comes out with his chair, talks about all the uses of chairs, and one of them is you can make a statement. And he replays his attacks on Ray, ripping up the mask, and he calls Ray a victim. And victims don't get revenge. Ray only has to worry about the letters R, K, and as he goes to finish, he's hit in the back with a chair shot from Ray, who sneaks up from behind and drop kicks the chair into Orton, hits a 619, and Randy retreats, and they have announced a chairs match for Sunday, one of the 48 matches that are scheduled for Sunday's pay-per-view. Randy Orton versus Rey Mysterio. Mm, pretty simple build for this one, uh, three weeks, and I thought they had the most heat for that first week when uh, Randy tore off Ray's mask and began that initial attack. Um at this point, it just kind of feels like you're kind of middle of the card match between two legends. Uh, the chair stipulation, you know, I thought they worked it in well into all the angles, but it 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 doesn't feel like it's necessary. Becky Lynch was backstage. She was asked if she was asked. This was the question: If Charlotte and Oscar take each other out tonight, do you think that provides an advantage for you on Sunday? What? No shit. Yeah, if these two take out one another, there's no one left for me. So yes, that would be an advantage, Kayla. She actually explains how she has been fighting against the odds. That's what a champion does, and she will be ringside for tonight's match. So I guess that, in a roundabout way, was answering the question. Isn't that logical? That, yes, of course, these two taking out one another in this match tonight. Are you criticizing the um, journalistic skill of, of these WWE backstage announcers? Not the journalistic skill, the common sense. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of a job requirement, isn't it? To not have common sense. I guess so. It's uncommon sense. Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe took on Jeff Hardy and Rusev. This match emphasized to me that there may be too many programs going on on television at the moment. Like, you only have so many matches you can build up for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And these are four... Like, Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe's a significant feud that they've been doing for a couple weeks now. They're not on the pay-per-view. Rusev and Nakamura, at least as of right now, have not been announced for the pay-per-view. They've got, like, 12 matches, so I can't see them adding more. It just seems like there's almost... There's too many programs now that you have these combined pay-per-views every month. We're not doing the single-branded shows. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that Hardy and Joe wouldn't get a spot on the on the card, um, you know, because they've, they've done so much for it on TV. Um, I, I'm guessing when they would even do it at this point. The Rumble, I feel, is almost too far away with, like, six weeks out right after TLC. So... It's, it's These gotta, may be on Christmas and New Year's. They may feel they need some attractions for those shows that aren't going to have any. So yeah. they'll throw on matches involving these guys and, and other programs. They just feel like odd men out, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, before the match began, Truth and Carmella came out for a dance break. I think I'm done with this now, officially. Yeah, I would say so, too. You might get it a little, little bit more, especially uh, with the results of the Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, I, I think our truth is I think both of them are winning, and that's gonna be how one of the rumbles ends is with a dance break at the end of the rumble. A dance break at the end of the rumble. Okay. Like um, truth you're gonna have say you have um Samoa Joe in the ring, you have Randy Orton in the ring, you have 
uh, Dean Ambrose and who's, Seth Rollins. Who's dancing, John? I, I, that's what I'm most curious about. Well, what I think is going to happen is R-Truth is going to come out at number 30. He's going to get into the ring, and he's just going to stare down at all the main event guys that are left. Braun is in there, and he's going to call for a dance break, and everyone will just stare at him. No one dances with him, and he's thrown out. Braun has to dance. Come on. Maybe Braun will. After he throws out Truth, and then Braun will dance, and then um, Dean Ambrose will dance, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, match begins. Nakamura jumps Jeff Hardy because he was watching the dance. They go through the commercial break. Joe's in control. Hardy comes back. Whisper in the wind. Nakamura gets taken down with a head kick. There's a twist of fate to Joe. And then they go to the floor with Hardy clotheslining him off the apron. And it's left with Rusev and Nakamura. There's a drop toehold. Rusev goes to the accolade. It's stopped. Nakamura sets up for the Kinshasa. Countered with a Machka kick. And Rusev pins Nakamura. So I guess... We'll get a title match on television unless they do a last-minute addition to TLC, which I don't think you need to force another match onto that card. Like, Sunday's show is just packed. Mm. They've got so much already announced. I don't think you need to throw in another match. Yeah, I mean, you know, tribute to the troops perhaps, but I I don't – I mean, I feel like that'll get less play than even a typical SmackDown match, so – or they've already taped tribute to the troops, so they can't even they, do that. They right? taped it last week, and I don't think that I didn't even look at uh, the matches they taped. But right, that's really not even counted towards anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean for these four, it feels like there's just going to continue beyond uh, TLC. Uh, Rusev is beginning of uh, looks to be you know facing Nakamura for a U.S. title shot. I guess you could see one of these matches on the kickoff, but I feel like. One of the 12 matches already announced should be on the kickoff if I had my choice. All right. I'm just... How long is the kickoff on on Sunday? Is it one of those two-hour deals or is it a one-hour kickoff? I think it's a one-hour kickoff. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Shane finds The Miz backstage. He's upset that he paid wrestlers to attack him and tricking referees. I mean... Miz called out this team. How do you think they showed up there? Obviously, the Miz hired them. I mean, was this some secret? They just happened to be there, Shane? Um, Miz said that Shane's instincts took took over in that match. His McMahon instincts. And Miz lifts lifts off his resume. Says, I was never considered the best in the world until you came along, Shane. And he offers his hand. Shane walks away. They zoom in on his empty hand. And the Miz is sad. I'm not really sure how the audience is supposed to feel with an angle like this. I think they're trying to build up to the moment when Shane finally decides to tag with the Miz and the audience really reacting. But that, I think, also just suggests that, like, for some reason, the audience really wants to see that team. And I don't get that sense at all. I, 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 I see no reason like the Miz is not really a baby face. He kind of is, but he really isn't. At least not to the point where I would really want to see him team with Shane McMahon. Um, but that seems to be the moment that they're building up to. Do you think people would be sympathetic towards the Miz if when they finally team up, Shane attacks him? Oh, he'll get way over if he does that attack. That's how they get everybody over these days. So maybe that's what this leads to. A big Shane Miz feud. A big Phil Nurse strike party. Oh, my goodness. 
We had some mixed match challenge promos. Apollo Crews and Bailey are going to dedicate this one to Finn Balor. And Cruz mentions the Apollo Nation. The Apollo Nation. Yeah. It's, uh, there's lots of room if you care to join. Alicia and Jinder state that they have been meditating for thousands, thousands of hours. And they are going to get this vacation. That's what they're after. Not number 30 in the Royal Rumble. They are concerned about the vacation that comes with this. The real prize of the Mixed Match Challenge. Honestly, like if you listen to any of these promos, it, it seems to be um, what's most on their mind. I mean, these guys know they're not going to re- win the Rumble, even if they're at number 30. <laughs> Styles was backstage for an interview. He wanted to beat up Brian, but he knew if he did that tonight, he would not be able to compete at TLC. And says, this isn't the new Daniel Bryan. It's just the real Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And Charlotte was interviewed. Anything on the AJ? No, I mean, I I thought it was a really calm, subdued promo from AJ, and I found it quite effective. I like that line. This is not the new Brian. This is the real Brian. Yes. Thanks for flying all the way here, AJ. Enjoy your uh, your trip back home. I'm a little surprised, like that he didn't seem to wrestle. Maybe he did the dark match tonight. He could have. Yeah, it's possible. Charlotte was interviewed right before going out. She said, "The Queen doesn't break; she breaks undefeated streaks." And she's going to give everyone a preview of TLC tonight, which based on this finish, I hope not. Asuka versus Charlotte Flair, rematch from WrestleMania this year. Becky Lynch came out, but not for commentary, just to sit ringside. First big move was Charlotte going for a moonsault, which was blocked. And Asuka went for the Asuka lock that Charlotte escaped. Then you had Asuka going for an octopus and then a crucifix bomb. She applied a Fujiwara armbar, then transitioned to a triangle, but was lifted and slammed down. Charlotte tried for the figure eight, but couldn't bridge up. So Asuka turned her over, and then Charlotte's attacking her with strikes on top. Lots of aggression from Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And then Asuka was able to block a chop and turn it into a fireman's carry. And as Charlotte went off the ropes for a spear, it was hit with a code breaker by Asuka, which was a nice counter. And Asuka was nailing her with Kawada kicks, came off the ropes, and Charlotte this time did hit the spear, getting a two count. Charlotte climbed again for a moonsault, but stopped as Asuka got her knees up, caught the legs, and went for the figure four. That was turned into the Asuka lock, but then they tumbled down to the floor, and after two segments, Charlotte just grabbed the kendo stick and attacked Asuka for the disqualification. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the match, you know, obviously not in the level of their mania match, but technically I found it really strong. I really liked all the all the submission transitions and all the stiff striking we saw from Asuka. I really liked the new sense of aggression from Charlotte. Uh, however, of course, the finish was really lacking, and I would say overall the crowd kind of felt a little lacking as well in here. Yeah, I, I think it was... They built this match up for a week, and I, I mean, I wasn't expecting a clean finish, but... I feel if you're going to go with a DQ, I don't know. It just felt like we have no other way out of this, so we'll just do this. And I just think it was a very tired finish to do. So Mm. I think the audience just groaned at the finish. Charlotte then continues attacking Becky and Asuka with the kendo stick. Becky fights back and attacks Charlotte, sends her into the steps. Then she takes the kendo stick. Everyone got their turn with the kendo stick, ending with Asuka as she threw Becky over the desk. Charlotte was then dropped down there. And Asuka starts going back and forth with kendo stick shots. And the camera is just panning left and right. I got sick watching this. (laughs) You got kendo stick. This was 
Oh, <laughs> sorry. Wow, that's amazing. I'm I'm sending you away this <laughs> this footage. If you did not fully appreciate, oh, oh of course I could appreciate it, man. Like I, uh, you know, at this point, this is it's how they show action. You know, it's how they show chaos. Are you? Oh my god! You this was just re- like I I was seriously like getting wow, you seasick this, here eh? watching watching this. Holy, you're right. You're not wrong. You actually and, pulled out your phone to record this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it felt like a seesaw. I was just like, what am I watching here? I'm just watching blurs. I know. And then Oscar, yeah, Oscar just stood on the desk and that's how the show ended. Yeah. I think they've really learned that, you know, people delivering crazy attacks after a match is the best way to get them over these days. Everybody's doing Becky's gimmicks. So, um,. What better way to drive the crowd into a frenzy than to have everybody employ the same tactic? So that was SmackDown. Uh, a better show than Raw. I think there was more good than bad on this show. I, I mean, I, I never really, you know, feel like I've wasted my time watching SmackDown. Um, I really like Brian's character. There are maybe certain, you know... Um, concerns i have but like it's overall very entertaining the match we got uh, we got mustafa ali versus daniel bryan on this show we got you know the rap battle which i thought turned out well the shane stuff was um awful that was awful that was pretty bad um and then i thought the main event was good i mean lack of finish aside i thought the two had a had a nice exhibition all right uh let's just uh quickly um, we're not going to do a preview of TLC. That's going to be on the cafe hangout this week, but here is the lineup. Wait, hold uh, on a second. You're forgetting the most important, the real main event, John, the final or the semifinals of the mixed match challenge. Yeah. Go through that first. And then, then we'll run through the card. And All right. did this mixed match challenge go long? Like I feel this went like 40 minutes or something because I took so long. Uh, no, I was following along on Twitter and oh. I could have sworn like this show. Am I wrong? Was it? Longer than I usual, wasn't or was really it timing this? it? It didn't really feel like longer than usual to me, but um, I I'm I'm guessing it's it's yeah, I don't know. I maybe the matches went a little bit longer than typical, but this was the um the final two spots actually. This was the semifinals, yeah, to determine the the finals that will take place at TLC. On the Raw side, we had Mahalisha taking on Bailey and the and Apollo Cruz, who of course replaces Finn Balor. Any updates on Finn Balor today? I, I didn't get any update on him. I think they're they're still optimistic he'll be okay for Sunday. And I guess if there's any issue where he's not, they at least have the storyline reason that they can write him out of the show. But I, yeah. I didn't hear an update today. Of course. Unfortunately, or I missed most of this match as I was catching up on SmackDown. But I did catch the finish. It ends with uh, Bailey delivering belly to bellies to the Singh brothers. Her taking out Jinder Mahal. And then all of a sudden, a big boot. From Alicia Fox puts her away. Uh, so unfortunately, Bailey will not be going on vacation with Apollo Crews. Mahalisha uh. advanced to the finals. Cole makes a huge deal about this upset, saying odds makers weren't able to predict this. People are losing their mortgages on their homes as a result of Mahalisha entering the mixed match challenge finals. Um, so Viewership back down very low this week. I would say this probably peaked at about maybe 17, 16K. In the post-match <laughs> interview, Jinder says he saw this coming through his meditations from studying the teachings of Ranjan Singh and the Great Kali. And Alicia says that the Singhs are not coming on their vacation. 
our second match. Only 20 minutes after the close of SmackDown, where she freaked out with a kendo stick, Asuka has to make her way back out here to have this mixed match challenge match. Um, I should also mention they they close uh, or they started the mixed match challenge with um, basically like the you know Charlotte and Becky being laid out and making their way up. A lot of like pretty deep welts on Charlotte's back uh, as a result of those kendo sticks. I'm sure on Becky's too, but you can't really see those as well. So anyway. Uh, At least we learned from Ronda that those kendo stick shots, at 24 hours, you're good. I guess so, yeah. So the crowd start. Uh, oh, sorry, Asuka and Miz are taking on Carmella and R-Truth. The crowd chants dance break, and Miz and Asuka have been at odds ever since Asuka lost, or whatever, the team lost their first match a couple weeks back. So Miz and Asuka argue about who's tagging in. In a fit of rage, Asuka chops the Miz, which the ref counts as a tag. So the Miz and Truth are in there. Nothing all that special. Miz still does a whole lot of Brian spots, which I kind of feel a little weird. Like him doing the yes kicks, him doing the, uh, the the running drop kicks no longer really feel like they're heat getting spots. Especially, I mean, primarily because Brian is now also a heel. Carmella gets a hot tag, um, or at least a theoretical hot tag. And she teases the sweet chin music on the Miz. And instead... The Miz pulls Asuka in the way, so Carmella nails Asuka instead. As- uh, Carmella super kicks the Miz. R Truth follows up with an axe kick, which the Miz kicks out of at two. But by this point, Miz is now left alone in the ring with Asuka, who comes to and realizes that the Miz pulled her in front of the super kick. So Miz is trying to convince Asuka that it wasn't him who did it. Asuka is yelling in Japanese and then slaps the shit out of the Miz. Out of the Miz. She delivers a big kick, and then she leaves the match, leaving Miz to take a unprettier from R-Truth from, for the win. So that's your Mixed Match Challenge Finals. Fabulous Truth taking on Maha Lee shows. Cole calls it perhaps the biggest match in WWE history. Um, I love how the joke is, look, what a waste of your time if you spent all this time watching the Mixed Match Challenge. It's our tongue-in-cheek Match that means nothing, and we know it means nothing. Certainly. I mean, if you judge by the ratings this week on the Facebook, this this probably peaked at about 19K, back to very low ratings. And I don't, I really don't understand what exactly the purpose, the reason is, because it would jump from either 45K or all the way down to 19, 18K. So for somewhere, <laughs> there are 20,000 people that are just like, it's either this or something else that they're doing on a, on a Tuesday night. Um, you know, all in all, I'll say... I thought the term- tournament started off as a fun series of dark matches where you can tell the participants were actually having fun in there being creative. But then it just went on and on and on and on and progressively became more and more of a chore, not just for the viewer to watch, but I think for the performers to engage in as well. Way, you are a champion for covering the entire duration of the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed your reviews and... So thankful that I, I didn't spend a second watching this. Uh, every year, usually around the G1, we always get asked, hey, do you think the WWE could ever put together like a G1 tournament? 100% no. Oh, God. 1,000% no. no. Yeah. I mean, half the, half the group would be injured by the time they got to the finals. This tournament really outlined like the injury rate in the mm-hmm. WWE. Having to watch this when you're going for a tournament. The, how long has this lasted? Two months? It's three months. It's only been three, three months. Three months. Yeah. And In like three months. 
Kevin Owens, uh, Finn Balor, um, you know, Alexa Bliss from the get-go, Braun Strowman, both members of that team were gone. Um, I, I feel like I could keep going on if, if you really pressured me. Um, were Jinder and Alicia an original team? They are one of the few original teams, as were Carmella and R-Truth. I mean, AJ was right. taken out. He wasn't injured, but he was a replacement as well. So, uh, anyway, that's the Mixed Match Challenge. That was the Mixed Match Challenge. So, Sunday, Jinder and Alicia take on R-Truth and Carmella. And then the rest of the TLC card, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in a TLC match. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's title. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE title. Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Asuka in a TLC match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. Elias versus Bobby Lashley in a ladder match. The Bar versus The New Day versus The Usos for the SmackDown tag titles. Natalia versus Ruby Riot in a tables match. Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander for the Cruiserweight title, and Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton in a chairs match. This is nuts. There are so many matches on this show. Twelve matches, and you know, I, I really like Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander, but I don't know if they needed to be on this particular show, on a show when you're already so loaded with other matches, you know? And it's all the stipulation matches. I think it'll be, like, a lot of them will be entertaining. I think the talent is, is high enough that they'll, like, you know do a good job with all these given matches but um i can't help but feel like as usual uh, there's a bit of overkill when it comes to all the stipulations so you can tune into the cafe hangout uh way and i will do a full tlc preview uh you can watch live if you are a double double ice cap or espresso member thursday at 3 p.m eastern time or tune in on friday afternoon it will be up on youtube and you can download it as a podcast Let's go to the feedback before we sign off, uh, starting off with our poll. What would tonight's SmackDown generate? Last night's Raw was just under a five. I think tonight will fare better. We have the results are in a 6.64 for tonight's episode of SmackDown. Lower than usual for SmackDown. Yes. Let's start off with Rob here. I found SmackDown Live such an easy watch. Daniel Bryan versus Ali was a joy. I love the story of Ali being the undersized under underdog inspired by the old Daniel Bryan. My only criticism was a super Spanish fly during a commercial break was a bad idea. The shorter show than Raw speeds up everything, and I like every feud right now. I'm even somewhat curious if Miz and Shane will lead to a double turn before Mania. Did anyone notice some new production isms this week? The intro had a UFC sports feel setting up the main event, and Kayla interviewing Charlotte right before her entrance gave the queen a grander presence. Eight of t- eight out of ten, Shane lost the two marks for a horrible rock DDT and for winning with the lightest and only triangle submission in skinny jeans I've ever seen. I did notice some of those uh, new production elements. I feel like typically, like they were experimenting on SmackDown with, or I mean, one of the uh, the two shows after the brand split with a lot of these uh, opening recap videos, and they stopped for a long time, but they brought it back here. And the backstage interviews, at least from that uh, from the gorilla position, they've been doing a lot on the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, it was the first time, I guess, or one of the first times I saw them saw them do it on SmackDown here. We got to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, So, after it was declared that Raw sucked and SmackDown doesn't care about being losers, it's probably the best to at least give a 205 Live guy a shot on SmackDown. It was actually the most intriguing part of SmackDown. I wish WWE did that more as it seems they have 
set rosters that they use every week, and it's rare that you get any change from the core group of people. The big negative was the Shane and Miz angle. It comes across like the Miz is in love with Shane McMahon, and I'm hoping that's not what WWE is thinking when it comes to the LGBTQ angles that Stephanie McMahon was talking about years ago. I also like watching Nakamura on the show now thanks to listening to the Eggshells Companion podcast. Nakamura wasn't too badly affected by Nokiaism, but it seems that SmackDown is New Japan in the mid-2000s after badly losing to the MMA fighters that represent Raw. It could be called McMahonism. Six bad punches out of ten. Shane uh, would have just thrived during the Anoki years. Oh, of course. Yeah, he would have been his favorite. Could fought, could have fought Mirko on New Year's Eve. Mm. Saved Yuji Nagata. Jalen from Pickering. Daniel Bryan is by far the best thing on the men's roster right now, and the match with Ali was good stuff. I just hope he comes out of his hyperbaric chamber for his mania entrance. Wow. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. What, I mean, what, what could you see his mania entrance if he gets one being... Maybe like you know what I could see him doing? Sheeps. Running out during Hunter's entrance and flattening the tires of his giant motorcycle he's riding to the ring. Motorcycles are environmentally friendly. Mm, I, I don't know. They're, They're low kind of on expensive. gas, aren't they? They're gas efficient. Um, Daniel Bryan isn't looking for low on gas. He's like, you've got two working legs. Use them. Oh, right. Okay. I want to see him come up with a herd of sheep. <laughs> There's so many stupid ideas you could come up with. Yeah. That would be great. Eating Where are they next year in New, New Jersey? Yeah, salad. A rain, rain of salad on the audience. Oh, yeah. Okay, we got a Chris. Is it my turn? Yep. All right, we got a Chris who says, A pretty good episode of SmackDown tonight with Asuka versus Charlotte. It was quite enjoyable, although I thought that Asuka may have gotten the victory before TLC this weekend. Also, I really enjoyed the Daniel Bryan versus Mustafa Ali match. I'm glad to see the Cruiserweights now being integrated into all WWE brands, Raw, NXT, NXT UK, and now SmackDown. However, I did not enjoy the Mixed Match Challenge, not because of the in-ring quality, but because of the broadcast quality. It would go through long periods of buffering, distorted audio, and when it, when it would stream, it looked like it was filmed on a mobile phone at best. I'm not sure if this has to do with Facebook, as I can easily live stream from WWE, New Japan, and ROH on the same computer without any issues. Um, He asked me if I had any issues trying to stream. Well, it's not even available in Canada. I've noticed recently, though, that Facebook Watch actually is available in Canada. But when I tried to watch this, uh, the Mixed Match Challenge itself, I wasn't able to. So I've had to uh, re- resort to nefarious means to uh, stream mine. And there were really no issues for me. I mean, because I relied on somebody else. But um, I can't really tell you much about the quality from Facebook itself. Matt from Oshawa. Uh, SmackDown Live was pretty solid tonight, but anything looks good besides the turd Raw lays on Mondays. Solid opening match. Don't mind seeing 205 205 Live talent getting a bit of a rub against a new Daniel Bryan. Can we give up on the rap battles? Watching Cesaro trying not to laugh at the beginning of the rap battle was pretty telling what he thought of the segment. Nothing earth-shattering, but everything got a bit bit of a build for TLC. Charlotte needs to take it easy on the teeth whitening, and she needs to learn how to use a kendo stick. She looks weak. She needs to take lessons from Asuka, who just destroyed both women to end the show. I I hope she bought them dinner afterwards. We go to Cheesecake Doctor, who says SmackDown continues to be a fun show to watch. Nothing groundbreaking, but nothing appalling by any means. Daniel Bryan continues to be a fascinating character to watch, and the women's title scene gets the recognition it deserves by main eventing. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He says, do you see 205 Live becoming a half step between NXT and the main roster, or was this a one-off? I think it was a one-off. 
Um, yeah, I I think the biggest issue of putting cruiserweights on SmackDown is they just don't have room for these guys. Like it worked tonight, but it's something that I mean, they're just like that is a crammed roster, especially on SmackDown. And I, yeah, to try and fit all these people in, I, I don't I don't expect it with any regularity. I suppose like you can look at it as a bit of a, uh, a I don't know half step if. You consider the fact that, like, it, what seems to be happening with the likes of, like, Drake Drake Maverick and Leo Rush was, is that somebody in creative comes up with an idea for a gimmick or some some type of supporting cast. And if one of the members of the 205 Live roster happens to fit the bill, they might be more apt to transition those guys up than, you know, cold calling somebody from, like, perf- uh, the Performance Center or or somewhere else. So in that sense, since they're already backstage, maybe you can look at it as, as a bit of a half step, but... I don't know if it's something you can completely rely on. All right, let's continue here with uh, MJ. SmackDown continues to be a solid wrestling show. With that said, do you think it's the talent or the writing that makes it so much more enjoyable than Raw? Hard to imagine it's such drastic differences in writing, although it very well could be Vince doesn't care enough about SmackDown, but also hard to blame talent like Rollins. It's a shame WWE feels the need to make their tag champions constantly look stupid on both shows. In your opinion, is Becky getting too gimmicky with her man stick? I think she's turned up about 15% more than she needs to be, and she's leaning very heavily into being female Conor McGregor. She's now doing the strut walk, which is turning me off. Feels unnatural coming from her. Not to me. Like, what's so bad about trying to be a female Conor? Like, I think WWE could use a character like that with that type of bold confidence and i think that's what she should be doing quite frankly you know it's not it's not aggravating to me at all yeah you don't want to be a parody but i think that there's yeah, certainly lots you can take from a, a figure like that uh I, I don't sense it with becky at all i think that she's I, I think people want to see her get into her next feud and be back on this sunday show and I feel that Becky should be a big part of the show on Sunday. And I do feel that that match should close the show on Sunday. So that should hopefully set her up for many things coming out of TLC. You think that'll close? Yeah. Cause that's a TLC match. Whereas Nia and Ronda is just for the title and, um, Brian versus AJ, of course. And then what's, what's the other big match? Baron Corbin. Braun Seth Strowman, and Dean. Seth and Dean. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you. Okay, uh, one last piece of feedback. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest young streetites. Hello, my friends. Been a fortnight. I've been missed, but alas, I have returned. Anywho, at least we can all agree SmackDown doesn't suck. The show was so much fun to watch. From the beginning segment to the spear at the end, it was a true delight. Please keep Vince away from this show. It's not a journey. Every journey ends... But we go with it. Meanderings. Wade, did you get the Concords with your post dollars? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Thoughts on Dominic Cruz getting hurt again. Plans disappear. Dreams take over. Any thoughts? Um, just that it's not official that he's out of his uh, fight with John Lineker yet. But yeah, there was a report that he's dealing with an injury. And he might be off that card in Anaheim. But not 100% yet. Okay. Look, Brandon from New Jersey has a serious side, especially in the chat. I'm not going to act like a loon all the time. I'm misunderstood. Like, pink, I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you, Brandon. We always appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback tonight. That's going to wrap up the show. 
If you want to hear more from us, you can now go and download the Double Shot. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, reviews of Being the Elite, The Edge and Christian Show, MLW, and Matt Riddle, all coming up on the Double Shot. So thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, Once again, big week of shows coming up. You can get the whole schedule at postwrestling.com. British Wrestling Experience will be out Wednesday. Very busy day on Thursday with the Cafe Hangout with Sebastian Suave on the show. Up next and our post-roundtable with Ariel Hawani. And for those of you that want your coverage of TLC, Way and I will be live right after the show uh, doing a live video stream if you're a double-double or higher member, and the podcast will be up Sunday night with our TLC post-show. That's it. Good night, and we'll speak with you on The Double Shot.